Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. All right, everybody, we're out back here for our third draft short that we've got, and we're looking at Gabe's mock draft that he put together at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. You should check it out. He's put three mock drafts together for us. I, mean, I think he's been a little bit more aggressive in, in some of his trade-ups. Um, and so I'm going to ask him some questions about some spots that really stand out to me. I think, you know, you guys, if you listen to our previous two shorts, it seems like the first 10 picks are a little bit more standard in line and what we might expect with Akuda um, falling a little bit, a trade up for a quarterback, some of the tackles going a little bit more early. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But, you know, when I'm looking at Gabe's mock draft, the first one that jumps out to me is Gross Matos at number 16 um, before Chase on going to Atlanta. What are you thinking? Yeah, so I think this is more of a, a fit in terms of the type of player. So the the Falcons in the past have drafted a few of these kind of like quick twitch, smaller edge rushers, and they haven't had great success with those types of players. Um, you know, they did have one great season from Vic Beasley, but he also kind of disappeared on them for a couple of years. And then, you know, they drafted Tack McKinley a couple of years back out of UCLA, and then he hasn't really done too much. But I think a guy like Gross Matos has a different type of skills. You know, he's more of a run defender, I think, than either of those two are. He's bigger, you know, he can play with a little bit more power. He can kick inside and be an interior rusher. Um, I know we talked about him a little bit going to the Dolphins at 18. He thought that was early. I think it's early too, but I think the Falcons really need another edge rusher. And I think that he might be a better fit for what they want than Chase on. So it's more about a fit thing than it is in terms of actual how I would rate them. But yeah, that's what I was thinking there. And then you've got Worf sliding all the way to 18. I mean, two questions. One, do you really think Worfs is going to get to 18? And two, do you really think Miami's going to take him or draft in that spot if um, there's you know teams clamoring to trade up to that spot? So the first question is, do I think he would fall? I'm not sure it's him, but I think there's a chance that one of the top four offensive linemen could fall. I thought maybe it's worse here because I think some teams might see him more as a guard than a tackle, and maybe that means his value isn't quite as high. So I think in likely, in all likelihood, there isn't one of these top four offensive linemen that falls past Tampa Bay. But I could also, in my draft, I have Tampa Bay taking a corner, which they also need. Um, and that could mean that an offensive tackle falls a little further. And I think if he gets to Miami, they would snap him up because they need all the help they can get on the offensive line. So I can't see them trading out of that position if he managed to fall back to them at 18. Interesting. I, I think I agree that someone might not trade out of that spot. I could see Dallas trading out of 17 if Worfs is still on the board, though. Um, and, and wanting to try and maximize the value out of that since they've handed so much cap space to um, their top level players. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Chase on already. You know, I, I, I think he's a better fit in Atlanta um, based on their previous draft profile. So you kind of bucked that trend by saying they haven't had success with that profile. So they're going to go in a different direction. But um, 
you know, I also don't know that Jacksonville's the right place for them too. They got Allen last year. Um, you know, is, is that the spot that they're going to try and maximize their value? Um, could be. I mean, I think Ngakwe is on his way out, right? So they don't really have an addresser on the opposite of, of Allen. And I think, as we talked about, we think Chase is a very good player. It would be too much to pass on for them at this point. That's So, yeah. I mean, but that would almost completely evaporate their ability to trade in Gakaway. Well, <laughs> if they've got Allen and Chason and Gakaway on the roster together, right? I think yes and no. I think he's going to be out either way. So they don't really have any leverage because that situation has gone and blown up to the point where I don't think there's any question that they uh, have to move on from Gakaway in some way or another. Um, I mean, we, I don't know how much they're going to get back from him either way, but I don't think he's playing on their on their roster. So they, this is them, you know, getting the guy that they want and replacing him, whether or not he's going to play for them or not, or play for some other team. I think I think this is they have to yeah. replace his production somehow. So Terrell Lewis at twenty three to New England, huh? Yeah. So this is another one that I think is more of a, a shock value pick than anything else, but I think he's the kind of edge rusher that New England really likes. Um, he is physical against the run, and they really want to have good run defenders that can play different kind of roles, and I think Lewis fits that. He can drop into coverage. They like to be very multiple in how they use their different alignments with the defense. Um, they don't have a second-round pick, so you can't be like, oh, well, we'll just take Lewis in the second round where his value might align better. Um, I think in a previous mock, we saw Bond go to um, New England. I think that Lewis is more of a New England-style defender than Bond is. Um, and I think that he fits the mold of what they look for in their edge defenders. So maybe this is too high. I've seen Lewis considered as a first-round prospect on some boards. I think if not for injury history, he would definitely be a first-round player. Um, but this might be too early for him, but I, I think it's a fit. You know, it's, uh, in my take, it's one of those things where it's too hard to tell who's going to trade up to this spot in terms of where their interest is going to be. But I think that there's almost, I would put less than a 25% chance of that New England picks at 23, unless somebody has fallen so far that it's just standout value. I think there's also almost zero chance that they reach for a guy like Lewis or reach for a guy like Bowen at 23, and they're just going to move back, even if for just a couple spots and take the same guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what New England does. They've got they've got a tough road ahead of them in terms of deciding what they want to do. Um, I'm sure that that trade that they made with Atlanta last year, um, <laughs> they're regretting right now in, in the moment. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, real quick. Also, the thing about New England, um, I don't think they're very good at evaluating talent in the draft. Hmm. I think they haven't been very good at evaluating talent for quite a while, and they tend to over draft players. It's happened a lot recently. Um, That's true. So th- I, I would agree with that. I think there's a little, the, I think the shine, we're going to get a little off topic here, <laughs> but I think the shine off of Bill Belichick is going to wear off real quick um, this next couple of years. Um, Bill Belichick has not been a good coach when Tom Brady has not been the quarterback. Um, and I think we're going to revert to that. Um, guys get sick of him in a hurry. And if you don't have someone that can carry that load and carry the weight that he's willing to put on those per- people, um, that team's going to sink. And when it sinks, it's going to sink fast. I don't know if I would go to the extent of saying he's not a good coach if he doesn't have Brady, because I mean, the last time he didn't have Brady, he went 11 and five with 
what's his name? The guy out of the... I mean, but Brady's still on the roster. Yeah. It's still a Brady-driven system. Okay, so Brady's still in the room. We don't know exactly how good he will be without Brady. Let's, I'll put it that way. I do think he's a genius defensive coach, and I think that he is very good at putting together a roster that works for what he wants to do. I don't think he's a very good talent evaluator. I'll say that. And I don't think he understands yeah. value in the draft. So that's how I would just We'll see. That. Yeah, I think I think there's a ton of pressure on Bill Belichick coming into these next couple of years too. So it'll it'll be a fun one to see kind of how that shakes out. Um, I think the next one that jumped out to me was you having Detroit trading back up for Murray at 26. Um, so this, was that because you thought the Ravens were going to take him and they wanted to get ahead of him? So this is um, actually a trade... Oh, it's from the from trade the, back. From the back where they moved back to allow mm. uh, Miami come up to take Tua. So that might have been um, described better later. Gotcha. Yeah, I know I missed that. Yeah, um, I, I think that's interesting. I don't. Do, doesn't Detroit have a good inside linebacker? I can't remember his name, but they've got a guy that, that sucks up a ton of tackles over there. Um, I think they have some big bodies, but they don't really have talent at <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> um, they're not a team that has really done too well at drafting linebackers recently. Um, mm. And I think they have a defensive-minded head coach who might want to improve that position. Um, I'm going I'm going to Google real quick. Yeah, whoever I was thinking of doesn't seem to be on the depth chart there anymore. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Um, <laughs> but it, it does seem like, you know, it, it, it makes some sense for them to take – take a linebacker there. I don't think Murray's going to get to 26 though. Um, I think I, I'm with some of these other evaluators that we covered in our other shorts here. Um, and I think that Murray's going to have a lot more value to NFL talent ev evaluators, whether that stands to be true or reasonable um, remains to be seen. But I think, I think people that watch Murray on tape that watch a lot of football are going to fall in love with him in a hurry. Well, I think there's things you like about Murray that are, you know, the pop off the film. I also think there's some questions about how he's going to translate as a three down player. So we'll see what NFL teams. And I'm, I'm personally in love with, with Kenneth Murray and I'd love to see him <laughs> in the Ravens uniform. I think if he gets here, the Ravens fans are going to fall in love with him too. So, um, you know, he's an interesting one to watch. I think the next one that jumped out to me is that you've got Jalen Rager over T Higgins, both in the first round. Yeah. And I think that's more of a, a fit thing. Um, it's something that I like to consider a lot in the drafts is not necessarily the, the solely the a player that I have rated one way or another at a position, but how a team would use that player. Um, and I think that Green Bay could use the speed of Regor and his kind of playmaking ability opposite of a guy like Devontae Adams, who is more of like your go-to, like third down chain mover. Like he's a good like intermediate, but maybe not a deep threat. Um, and I think Regor could be a very good player in that offense that they could use in a lot of different ways. And then Higgins, I think, for the same reason in San Francisco, he's more of your go-to receiver. You know, he's more of your Devontae Adams type. He's big. He's not the fastest. But he can make a lot of different catches. He could be the intermediate guy. Um, you put him across from, um, oh, what was his name? I'm slipping my, from my brain right now. Um, he drafted him last year. Devontae Adams. No, 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 in oh. San Francisco. Um, Anyway, he was out of South Carolina. Debo Samuel. Yeah, Debo Samuel. Debo Sorry. Samuel. Sorry about that. Um, Debo, I think T. Higgins and and Samuel together would be a, a kind of dynamic wide receiver combo for them. Um, they can both. You don't think they're a little too similar? Kind of more physical. Well, 
Yes and no. I think I think um, I think Higgins is more of uh, inner kind of natural like big body like possession guy, and I know that Samuel can also maybe be that, but he's more he's he was used more of as kind of a gadget guy in in that offense. He was used for a lot of like screens and like you know, jet sweeps that kind of thing. I mean, he's clearly a talented wide receiver, but I th- I think in terms of natural like pass catching ability, I think Higgins is more of their true kind of like X wide receiver. Um, and I think that would be a good combo there. It's also hard to take value of where some of these teams are going to trade. I think it's really when we don't follow them, obviously we have a really good pulse on the Ravens and what we think the Ravens are going to do. I I think there's almost a 0% chance that the Niners pick at both 13 and 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they end up getting fleeced in one of the second trade. So if they pick at 13, cause they fall in love with a guy and you've got them taking Ken law. And I think that that makes a lot of sense for them, um, especially to, to replace Buckner. That yeah. It's just, it seems like a really good fit if he falls to them in that spot. Um, but I think in that instance, there's almost a 0% chance um, that the Niners in that instance are going to pick at 31. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with that and whether or not they get value out of that pick. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we never know exactly what teams rank in terms of who they, if there's somebody they see as like a top 20 player who's there at 30, maybe, you know, they take him. But then if they have other players who are similarly rated, then obviously you try and trade back. Um, I think every year there's some surprises and some things that happen that we're not expecting. So I tried to kind of put some, a little bit of that like uncertainty and like strange picks into the mock drafts. Totally. I think it's, it's, it's always going to happen that way. So. And then you've got the Ravens taking bound at 34. I love that value. I love that pick. I also wonder whether or not they are be able to get bound somewhere between 34 and 40 at that point mm-hmm. and whether they move back again. I mean, looking at some of the names that you've got here, um, Swift falling out of the first, I think would be interesting to some teams. Delpit at safety, Blacklock, um, Hurts even for a team that might really covet him and want to jump up over the Chargers to be able to take him in that spot. I just think that if the Ravens can find their way into trading back to 34 with the Colts, it almost seems inevitable that they trade back again to me <laughs> i definitely uh thought about another trade um that and that was the one question that i had like who's trading up to draft somebody at 34 and maybe it's for a quarterback there um you know i had jordan love going to indy in the first round um i guess hertz is probably the next quarterback or maybe uh, jacob easton out of washington but i'm not sure if there's a guy that a team is necessarily needing at this point but I could definitely see that happen. I think the Ravens would want to trade back. And I think you'd maybe accumulate another fourth rounder or something like that to move back like five, six spots. So probably Blacklock. Yeah, Blacklock's the guy that jumps off the page of me when I look at this list of guys that were valued at some point in the top 15 and have now fallen back. And when you're talking about almost three times later than where he's been projected being where he could be picked, it could seem like at that point, anyone from Detroit all the way to Houston where you haven't been taken could be a team that would take him. And so if you love his talent, like some teams seem to re- at least really early on. And again, I don't, I don't know a ton about him, but it's more kind of just economics. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I could see teams wanting to. I, I don't think that Blacklock gets to 40 just because of how high he was talked about before this. And if he does, I would much rather see the Ravens trade back at 34 and not take bound and take Blacklock and somebody else and whatever they're else can, whatever they get in that mix. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the Ravens could keep trading back in the second round and still keep getting valuable picks. And that might be something that they look to do if 
possible. Um, it's just a matter of at some point you need to be like, this is a guy that I, I love and I wanted to take him here. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see if and you try and do there. Two guys that go really late in your draft in the second that I think both will end up going earlier are Ayuk and Gay. Um, I, I think I'd be surprised to see both of them go after the Ravens pick at 55. Yeah, for me, I think it's just um, Ayuk. I, I don't see him with it as the same eyes that you do in terms of what level of talent he has. I do like him. I think he's a good receiver. I think yeah. he needs to develop a little bit more. And then, I, you mean Willie Gay is the, the linebacker? Yep, and Willie Gay, 59, yeah. He's, I think he's going to go in the first half of the he second. He could. Um, I think he and another guy we've talked about, Jordan Brooks, are kind of similar players. They're both fairly athletic. Um, I think Gay plays a little more out of control than, than Brooks does. He's a little more hit or miss in terms of you know his run defense. Um, but he definitely has a lot of upside. I see him as a second-round player. I think he could go earlier um, in the round for sure, but... It's just a matter of finding the right fit for him. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where he and Brooks end up going in terms of the third inside linebacker that gets drafted off the board. Um, I like Gay a little bit more than Brooks, but that's just from kind of what I've seen. I think the last pick that I'd point out here, you know, you've got the Ravens taking Pittman and Winfield. I, I, you know, I, I'll be surprised if the Ravens take Winfield at 55. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him at 60, but... I, I just can't imagine the Ravens passing on Pittman to take Winfield first. Um, I have Winfield rated similarly to Pittman. I think they're both like fringe first round, early second round players. Um, I think the thought process there is maybe there's more wide receivers still available. I still had Ayuk on the board, so I had two guys who I felt good about at wide receiver, and I don't think mm. I saw the teams behind me draft two wide receivers going off the board at that point. Um, and I think that was part of the thought process. But, you know, I could see, you know, the Ravens definitely taking Pittman at 55 if he's available. That's definitely, like, kind of a, a good spot for drafting him. And then Winfield, he's really a dynamic playmaker. I think I feel like he's been underrated throughout the draft process, although looking at the East Penn big boards, both Kuiper and um, and McShay, I think have him as, as you know, rated in the top 30. So maybe um, they're like him even more than I do. So I think I think he's a player who's going to be very good in the NFL. He's got good range. He's, he's a little on the smaller side, but I think he would be a dynamic kind of like nickel dime package player for the Ravens who could eventually be, you know, their starting free safety after Thomas retires. I think that makes some line of sense. I think if Winfield, I don't think Winfield's going to fall to 55 regardless. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think someone at 55 that's going to be really interesting is going to be there. And I don't think we can get, we can project who that's going to be, but I think someone in the 54 picks you have before that's going to be there. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see especially if that's a guy in a position that isn't specifically a need for the Ravens, whether they take that guy in that spot, whether they trade back in that spot because of that, or what they do at 55, especially with that pick trailing at 60 right behind mm -hmm. it. I think having two picks close together is, is a really nice benefit because it kind of allows you to, if you have several players that you really like, you can kind of say, who do I think is more likely to be there the next pick? And you can take the earlier one there and then wait for the second pick, you know, just a few picks later, 
And I think it allows you to kind of gauge who's going to go off the board better because you have two of the picks. So it's it's a good situation to be in. It's just like picking first or last in your fantasy draft, mm-hmm. right? You kind of want to have those squeeze together picks and be able to kind of meet your needs accordingly and not have as much kind of unknown and risk in between them. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think we're all excited to see some sports tomorrow night. Thanks everybody for listening to kind of our take on some of these mocks. And we're going to try and get something up on each one of these rounds and what the Ravens are doing um, as the draft unfolds. So let's get excited. There's some real sports out there and thanks for listening in. All right. Thanks guys.